that's no moon. It's a space station. You know, it's this really weird thing when I take my notes. I, I'm out of a notebook space right now. I've used up, I've exhausted all my notebooks. So I've started putting them on my computer and I realize that I don't like it as much because there's something weird with my memory. When I write things down with a pen, it sticks. When I mm -hmm. type it, it's not the same. That's it's, correct. I don't know why it's really weird. It's well, the same done thing with of that. people reading books on Kindle. It doesn't get stored in your brain because uh, it's it's a different. Maybe that's why I can't thing. get myself to read it. Like mm -hmm. I can, and I get I can retain it. But when I read a book and I sit down in my recliner with a physical book and my light mm -hmm. and everything, it's yeah. like I'm in the in the zone. You know, they've actually done studies of that, and that's actually re that's scientifically been proven that when you read an actual yep. book as opposed to a screen. Um, or when you, or what you were saying, when you write something down, as opposed to typing it, mm -hmm. it sticks in your brain way more and it, um, you like process the information differently. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and what's interesting, what was I going to say? It's interesting because I don't, uh, I like when I read, if I'm going to read something on a screen, like the, the reason I want to go read a book is to get away from my phone and to get away from yep. the computer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So anyway, let's start the let's start the conversation here. Um, all right. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Just a reminder, tickets are still available for our conference this May 13th through the 16th in Grafton, Illinois, Rebels of Disclosure. All the information is below at rebelsofdisclosure.com. There's four-day passes, one-day passes, live stream passes if you can't make it in person. All of the four-day passes come with a live stream replay. So that's really cool. The on-site lodging is booked, as many of you may know. There's only a limited amount of rooms on-site, but there's camping on-site, which we recommend, and there's hotels and Airbnbs in town. And if you haven't, you can get on the Telegram group, which is on the website, and you can coordinate rides, and some people are looking for roommates. So maybe you can get on Telegram and see if somebody is looking for a roommate and hopefully book a room with them. Either way, we're really excited about it. It's going to be here before we know it. So if you feel at all compelled to join us, grab a ticket and we hope to see you there. And our guest tonight, Julia Marie, was actually a vendor last year at the conference and she's going to be there again this year. And mm -hmm. she was also, she's also a returning guest. She was on episode 163. Actually, I had to go look before we started this. And as many of you may know, uh, YouTube removed our channel. They deleted our account. So we're over on Rumble now, but that episode is on Rumble. You can go back. It's episode 163. And it was a fantastic conversation. And since then, she has written a book. And we're really excited to get into that. It just came out. When was the official release date? One one one, January eleventh. Perfect. Very nice. Yeah. So I've About been a week. Yeah. I've been reading some of it, and it's beautiful so far. And you know, if you don't know who Julia is, she is for one a friend of mine. She's my go-to healer when I'm need some healing or advice. She's local, obviously, and and we've developed a relationship over the past few years. But she's a spiritual guide, a medium, an energy healer, podcast host, and now author. And your book is obviously timed significantly, divinely timed, I guess you could say. 
And I guess we'll start with that. Why now? Why were you pushed? I know that you, you know, you live your life guided by spirit, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And why why is now the time to release this information and put this out there to the world? The primary reason is is because there is a my perspective only. I'm only ever sharing my perspective on things. There's a wave of awakening that's happening now that I feel like is larger than some of the other waves that have come prior to this one. And because I had such a challenging time with my own awakening, I thought maybe telling my story would give people that are having those kinds of experiences a little bit of hope and encouragement that, number one, they're not alone. Number two, they're not going crazy. So the main thing was to tell my story from the perspective of being in it while I was having the experience and then add my hindsight from 30 years later and speak directly to the reader. So it's like I'm giving both points of view in the one book. Yeah, and there's a lot of profound information in there. You know, people are just every day are waking up and getting into this information and they're, they'll be drawn to whatever book or podcast, mm-hmm. social, whatever it is that they're drawn to. And so it's a great entry level, but it's also super advanced at the same time yeah. because I was reading it and some of the concepts that you're that you're bringing forward that, you know, they might be ancient concepts, but they're just now entering the collective consciousness. And the more people start talking about it, you know, it has that ripple effect. So, I mean, I can't recommend it enough, but let's get into Let's get into it. You know, there's so much in the book and you tell the whole story, but I guess I kind of want to know also, before we get into the book is like, what is your current what is your understanding of what's happening currently on our planet right now from a spiritual perspective? Like, I know you're always tuning in and, and tapping into this information and it seems pretty chaotic right now, but what's your opinion? How do you view what we're going through right now? Well, 30 years ago, I was told I'm a member of the transition team. Now, my human mind would say, oh, well, that shouldn't take too long, right? Well, we're just now... The 30 years of living following spirit are the lead up to what we're getting ready to go through now. And in my opinion, it's a threshold or a doorway or whatever you want to call it. But this next period of time is going to last a, a gener- another generation. The age of Aquarius is like the cleaning up of things. And when Pluto, that planet of transformation, Sorry about that. When Pluto, that planet of transformation, comes into the sign of Aquarius, it's going to bring forward all the stuff that's left to be healed. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. So I say to people, don't worry. This is a natural part of the process. And when we finally get through to the other side and come into the dawning of the age of Pisces, that's when everything comes together. So we're not to the coalescence part yet. I may live long enough to see the beginning of the true awakening of the collective. I'd be 90, but I could still live that long. You guys are more likely to see it than I am. So I like to tell people, have a little perspective. 
It's not an instantaneous thing here. We're talking about a, a galactic level shift that does have ramifications, in my opinion. And I shared that vision in the book. I had my doubts about some of the things I did talk about, but that was one of the things I did mention is that the planet that we're living on now is somehow tied or instrumental in whatever happens galaxy collective universally wide mm -hmm. creation wise yeah yeah I, I couldn't agree more and you, you said you had your doubts what did you doubt specifically as far as sharing some of the things that i was very deliberate and intentional with everything i put in the book because i wanted there to be stuff there for people that are just starting out but i also wanted to give people that have been on the path a while some things to maybe consider mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and there's definitely that in the book and you know one of the things we talked about which might be in the book and i'm sorry i haven't finished it yet but that's okay uh we talked about, I guess, a few months ago when we met for lunch, you were like, you know, there's no veil. The whole, mm -hmm. like, there is no veil. And you went on to explain to me what you meant by that. And I think it would be wonderful if you could explain that to our audience, what you mean when you say there is no veil. As I'm sitting here speaking with you right now, my awareness is also aware of the beings that are in this room with me. I'm not able to see them or perceive them with my physical eyes, but I can feel them and I can sense them and I know they're here. So the only veil that stands between me and what is not perceived with my physical senses is of my own making. Mm. So there is no veil. So people talk about the other side and they talk about crossing the veil, but there really is no in my world. There is no demarcation. It's a matter of consciousness or awareness or whatever name you want to give it. And sometimes people yeah. are in an area where where they say the veil is thin here or the veil is thin on Halloween. You know that we hear this we hear this terminology used, but maybe it's not the veil is thin. It's that people in those locations. They, their frequency, they, they might be resonating at a higher frequency to perceive those things. And mm -hmm. through our limitation, I guess, we perceive that the veil is thinner there, I mm -hmm. guess, through our lack of understanding. But it's actually the other way around. We are actually heightened. Yes. So it is, it's a frequency. It's everything boils down to vibration and frequency and where it is your instrument resonate harmoniously with those other frequencies mm -hmm. yeah. it's it's like tuning i would say tuning a radio but i don't know what the analogy would be these days but it's just like that right yeah it's, i think it's good to have these conversations and introduce new perspectives because mm -hmm. it might help somebody break free from something you know if they think there's this veil that they can't penetrate it makes it more difficult for somebody to, to potentially communicate with somebody who's trying to who they're trying to reach. So if you can change, you can look through a new lens, it might make things a little mm -hmm. easier. I'm like, oh, it's not actually anything that's there. It's just everything, it's all within me and I can change that consciously now. Well, exactly, because the answers aren't out there. They're, they're inside. Right. It's 
Exactly. It's I carry everything I need to find my way back home. I brought here with me. I just didn't know I had it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have to, we have to tell the story first. I was going to title this episode, the world is in shock after one of your chapters in your book. And it was, and the reason, and you said that sounds, you know, it's a very clickbaity title, but I guess if we yeah. talk about that chapter, then we, then it's okay. But, and I'm thinking, well, it is clickbaity because when I opened up your book that, and you, I read the introduction and you said it's, the book is laid out to where you can go to any chapter and read it individually, but it helps to read it in chronological order. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I'm going to take that advice and just go straight to the one. I went to the clickbait chapter and <laughs> it was amazing. And I, I have to ask you to tell that story about the whole Mount Shasta experience. I mean, if you can somehow t like verbally tell us that whole chapter um, and, and that entire story, I think it's actually really profound. And there's some things in there that I would like to expand on as well. Sure. Well, it, that experience is actually two chapters, Wake Up World and The World is in Shock. Those two chapters are actually all about 9-11. In the Wake Up World chapter, it, it, the primary message here is I followed my guidance not knowing beforehand why I was having to do the things I was doing, only I knew that I needed to. And by this point on my journey, I had learned to understand that if I followed, I'd be where I needed to be when I needed to be there. Okay, so I'm living in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And it was in January. So it was in January of the year prior to, it was 2000, when, September 11th was 2001, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so it would have been January of 2001. And I had this calling to go to Hawaii. So I went to Hawaii. I did some land work there and some very interesting things that I don't want to take too much time here with that. Came back to the Black Hills of South Dakota. Now, for anybody who's familiar, the Black Hills of South Dakota is known in the Lakota tradition as the heart of all that is. And if you look at it from a satellite view, it looks like it's roughly the shape of a human heart. So I traveled from there to Hawaii, did some things, came back, and then all of a sudden I started having this feeling of dread, something dread. That's all I could say was it was bother. It was almost like a disturbance in the force. And I got this urge to go to the West Coast. So at this point in time, I'm using the internet as a way for spirit to guide me. I found a conference that was on the West Coast at Mount Shasta, and that felt right to me. Even though I wasn't into angels or anything like that, I thought, okay, I'll just go there. And I had told Spirit, I need to have help this time because I'm feeling like whatever it is you're going to ask me to do, it's going to be too big for my individual physical body to do myself. So conference seemed like the right way to maybe get energy that could help me do whatever I needed to do. So I also had the thought, well, let me go visit my friend. I haven't seen her in a lot of years. Let me go visit her first. So here I get this long story short. I get a complicated travel itinerary from Spirit to take me from the Black Hills to 
Tacoma, Washington, the week before I was going to go down to the conference. So I flew from the Black Hills to Tacoma, rented a car, and drove from Tacoma to Mount Shasta. So the morning I'm packing up my stuff to drive to the conference is when the planes hit the Twin Towers. So I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know anything about what happened until a week later when I was done with the conference. Everything was grounded. But I had a rental car. So I had everything I needed before I even knew I was going to need it. Mm -hmm. Drove to Mount Shasta. They almost canceled the conference, but the people drove from Southern California up. And then there were some interesting things that happened during the conference itself, and that is the, the chapter that's about the, the world is in shock. And I didn't have any connection to the internet, no cell phone. I didn't carry one back then. No phone, no internet, no TV on the property where we were. So we were basically isolated from whatever was going on in the collective, which I feel, again, was probably by design. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know how much of this you want me to. Well, all of it. <laughs> well, you know, because it's, it's really, I mean, all, yeah, I think it has to be told. Yeah. I think you have to tell all of it for the whole message to really get through. So, you know, you can, obviously, if there's an unnecessary detail, you can leave it out. But you know, the whole experience of you going up on the mountain with a group of people and separating yourself okay. and, and what yeah. happened there. Yeah. So during the first day of the conference, I met this, this, they were an older couple that came and sat down at my table and we started talking and I don't know how we got on the topic of, you know, what neighborhood we might be from, but I said, I'm not even, I know I'm not from here. And it was so sweet. That guy took one look at me and kind of cocked his head and said, welcome to earth. And he meant it with his whole heart, you know, like he was, and I said, oh, thank you. Well, those two people ended up helping carry my bag of crystals and stuff up that mountain because I had a lot of stuff I needed to take. We came to uh, a location on Panther Meadows where there was a big, a massive stone and the exercise for the day was people were going to stand on the stone and declare what it is they wanted to see in the world. Okay. And so I'm sitting there. Well, I was drawn to two trees actually that were about maybe, I'm going to say eight, eight, eight feet apart. Maybe I was really drawn to them. It felt like a doorway. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I sat, I sat in between those two trees and someone else who was a member of the, uh, the staff that was putting on the workshop came and sat over next to me and jumped right back up like it was hot and went somewhere else. And I'm going, okay, well, maybe it was something I said or something. But then I realized he wasn't supposed to be in the doorway with me, just me. Mm -hmm. The older couple was seated off to the side and um, handed me my bags and I laid out the configuration I needed to put on the ground in front of me. And then I just sat there. Now, at the time, I had really long hair, so I was wearing it in two braids. And then as people started going on the rock and saying things, 
Some people were speaking from their hearts, like what they would want to see in the world, like peace or people coming together or don't kill the animals, whatever it was. And some people said, oh, well, one in particular that I remember was free candy at all 7-Elevens or something like that. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> but by the time she said that, I was sensing a group of tall white beings behind me, like on the other side of the door. It was like I was cut in half this way, you know, front to back, like through, right through. So the front part of me was in this dimension and the back part of me was in that dimension. And I became aware of these beings and they were all sitting there with um, their little, like little notebooks. And they were writing down, <clears throat> excuse me, they were writing down whatever was being said. And then I felt these, because while I'm sitting there, before everybody started talking, I could feel my heart chakra get really big. So it was like up to my throat and down to my, just below my waist and shoulder to shoulder. It got really big. And um, I understand that it was expanding to include both the fifth chakra, which is all about creation, and the third chakra, which is all about power. So my heart chakra actually en encompassed the above and the below. So I feel like it was a manifestation thing. Not quite sure, but I do realize that the upper world and the lower world were integrated in, in my heart, and that expanded out really big. And then as these people, as the people were speaking, these beings were sending these very spider-thin filaments of light from wherever they were through, through my heart chakra into this dimension. And I knew it had something to do with establishing a different template. So here's what I know. If there's not the pattern in this dimension or something, something that wants to come into this world to anchor to, it can't. And so I believe what happened that day was at least the laying down of part of what would be a new template for how we would be in this world. And by the time maybe half a dozen people had talked, I moved my braids to where they were kind of by the side because it felt like they, they were in the way. Hmm. So I moved them over to the side and it was just like this weird sensation of heat. Being in an altered state, I felt like I was in trance. Like if this had been uh, an exercise everyone was supposed to participate in, I wouldn't have been able to get up. So I'm glad he said just whoever wants to talk. Right. If it was something nonsensical, the beings on the other side transmitted, translated it into something that would be the higher expression of that. For example, I want candy and all the 7-Eleven, free candy and all the 7-Elevens, they turned it into sweetness in life. Mm. Experience sweetness in life. May all beings experience sweetness in their life. And so that's what came through into this realm. And so by the time it was complete, I was pretty much not able to function too well. So it was nice to have people that helped me pack up my stuff and carry it back down the mountain. 
after this happened, I did ask why, I did ask why, why this whole thing happened with, you know, the Twin Towers and all of that. And they showed me the planet Earth with, uh, I can only say, a, a, like an egg. It wasn't a perfect sphere. It was like an egg around it. It was very, I want to say it was solidified mass consciousness. Misdirected thought forms, maybe? I don't know. But when those brilliant lights, oh, when those brilliant lights gathered their energy together and shot off this planet in one instant moment, what I saw in my vision was a fist. And it came rocketing off the planet and punched a hole in this egg, which made a crack, which then allowed energy to come in from the higher dimensions undistorted. And if you take a look at what kind of started happening, didn't we experience an acceleration right around that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you refer to it in the book as a la- penetrating the egg of limitation, which is mm-hmm. a good way to look at it. So you're saying that all the souls that transitioned the morning of 9-11, they punched through, like basically they they gathered and formed this light that you yeah. saw as a fist that punched through yep. this egg and cr- created this crack. So ultimately it kind of backfired. Like it, it re- like they were trying, obviously it was supposed to be some attack, right? And, you know, for to further their agenda. For yeah, control bringing the new slavery. world order mm-hmm. and all that. But it had the opposite effect. It actually, exactly. something they couldn't expect. And it yeah. created this hole that allowed new light to penetrate in and basically kickstart an awakening. If yes. I'm understanding this correctly. And the other thing is, what also happened, pretty much every soul on this planet united. So it was the first time we had a truly global experience of what collective consciousness is, oneness. Yeah. So it also laid down that template, which is not something that was here in that way prior to. And all of this is just my own understanding. Yeah, but I, I didn't say a lot about it because out of wanting to be sensitive. But it's been almost a generation, so yeah. if it helps somebody somewhere, well, it, it ushered in unity consciousness for yep. one. And the reason I wanted you to tell the story is because I, it, I think right now the world is still in shock, and mm-hmm. I, I think similar things are happening. You can you can even say that COVID was another event similar to that. And I think that that hole and that those cracks are becoming more and more and more and more. Well, for me, is coming COVID from. was about asking people to be quiet. Oh yeah, slow down, be quiet. Slow down, be quiet. Right. Quit rushing everywhere you're out of sync with yourself right quit running constantly yes exactly be still right and that's what happened Mm -hmm. and maybe that's why like people get angry sometimes when i say i i experienced covid as a more of a beautiful moment in my personal life Mm -hmm. i sensed the calmness i i was observing the wildlife that was creeping out into the cities and there was no cars on the road and the chemtrails were gone and you could the the frequency that hum that's always there had silenced and i'm like every i felt better i was like i had all this Mm -hmm. energy 
And I understood that, you know, people were, there was a lot of hardships and people were losing their businesses and their jobs, but maybe they were just being redirected because they were on the wrong path. And maybe it helps everyone reevaluate and spend more time with family and relationships either failed or excelled because of it. Like it was definitely a catalyst. It was a wake up call. It was another wake up call. Almost a generation, same time frame, right? Generation later. Yeah. When you think about it. 2001 to 2021, basically. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So right at the beginning of the book, you said that you somehow discovered that how to open your soul's memory stick and retrieve the data that you had stored there, which I found very interesting. And you didn't expand on it too much in the, in the chapter. And I would just love for you to expand on that and explain to me and our audience what you meant by that. Because I think it's interesting to look at it like we have some sort of memory stick stored with data that we can access. And you can call mm -hmm. it the Akashic Records, I'm sure. But I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, all of our files that we need for this incarnation are carried in our physical body. Everything you need is stored in the vehicle that your soul created prior to this incarnation. So it pulled whatever it needed from the records, my, my understanding, and put it in the body. Now, the first couple of times this happened for me, I didn't understand what was happening. The, f the first experience was of like my left knee starting to hurt really bad. And there was no reason for it to. And so I sat, got quiet, and focused on what is my body wanting to tell me? What do I need to pay attention to? And it was literally like a film strip came out of my knee and ran a past life. So it was time for me to look at the erroneous programming that my soul had acquired at, at the end of that lifetime. Mm -hmm. And for me to clear it and to understand I no longer needed to carry that. Because once I looked at that past life, my knee stopped hurting. So I'm just saying that when I get sudden, unexplained pains in my body, the first thing I do is look for some kind of a, a record that needs opening and, and looking at. That's really so it's not a complicated, yeah, it's not a complicated yeah. process. I just ask, why, why is this, why am I being made aware of this? And it's, ener it's energetic. So from mm -hmm. that life, you had that yes. energy still stuck there. Yep. Uh -huh. And the energy was manifesting as a physical ailment. And that's what, you know, I've seen it so many times where people, they clear the energy or they have to a lot of times go back to that past life to, to see it and then clear it. Um, and a lot of times it happens in either a QHHT session or a past life regression. Mm -hmm. And then right after the session, the thing is healed, like you just said. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Now, this next question might be the most important question. Where can I get one of those coffee mugs that you were just drinking out of? <laughs> my right. coffee mug? Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is the only one in existence, but oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of making more. Yeah. Well, you should bring them to the conference. Yeah. I just yeah. might. Yeah. I just might do that. That, that would be yeah. really cool. I'll be the, I'll buy the first one. Thanks for the suggestion. I'll, yeah. I'll have at least a dozen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's kind of like, you know, stickers that people sell stickers and all kinds of stuff, but the coffee mug are the things that I still hang on mm -hmm. to every time mm -hmm. I get a coffee, you know, I use them and 
So anyway, um, <laughs> back to the conversation. The you also mentioned something about you realize early on that your guides were more of companions than guides. And we might have covered this in the first episode, but I think we should cover it again because it's important to understand if you look at them as a guide, you're looking at them as something above you mm-hmm. and you realize they're more of a companion. And I'll let you expand on that before I ask the follow-up question, because I think that's it's important to understand that. All right. So when I first became aware of my first guide, I... The response that I got from that being was, we are don't call us guides because your human mind has a tendency to want to hierarch- put things in a hierarchy as opposed to function in an equal kind of a way. So we are not your guides, we are your companions. As souls, we all gathered before this incarnation and decided if there was something from my Julia's soul's experience that those beings could also benefit from by being part of the team on the other side. So they let me know, we do not know more than you necessarily. You're the one on the ground having the experience, but we are here to learn and grow together to fulfill the goal of everybody going home. So they have just given me a model where we're kind of equal. I'm here, they're there. So we have conversations, I guess, would be the way I would put it. But I don't give my power to my guides. Yeah, and that's important. Mm -hmm. That's important because I think some people live through their guides. Or it's. I I don't think people ultimately, I think they give their power away, like you said. Mm -hmm. To other beings outside of them. Right. Exactly. And they let those guides make all their decisions for them without filtering filtering it first. And I think that can, now you're, you have to start questioning things then at that point. Like, is there an ulterior motive here? And, you know, who are these guides really? You know, there's a whole conversation that could be had there, but uh, it's important if you constantly are just maintaining the stance of not giving your power away then nothing can control you. Well, here's what I like to say to people. The one thing that is yours and yours alone is your connection to spirit or whatever you want to call it, your soul, whatever. That cannot be taken from you, but you can freely give it away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Well said. Mic drop. You have Mm -hmm. the free will to give it away, but it can't be taken from you. That's right. Only you can give that away and you can call it connection or power, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So if, what am I doing? If I'm letting my guides run the show for me, I'm abrogating my responsibility as an incarnated soul. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of briefly touched on this, but in the book specifically, you said the companions who could also benefit from participating in this lesson agree to mm-hmm. join me on my journey into this incarnation. So they're also here to learn a lesson with you. Exactly. And, and they understand, like, no, they're not done awakening yet either. No. And there's, and for them, their connection with you is ultimately just the next step in, in ultimately understanding that lesson, right? And so they can learn and grow in whatever way they need to. But we all have a common goal. And that is evolution of our soul, expansion of our awareness, and going home 
for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. And something I know we covered in the first episode, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, we're on a new platform now. We have a much larger audience and a lot of people might not have seen that. So I'd like to cover it again is why you were guided to start doing all of your work at night instead of during the day, as far as spiritually and connecting. And I think it's actually profound and it makes a lot of sense. Well, um, that is the first thing that happened to me was all of a sudden I found my regular routine turned upside down. I was sleeping during the day while my daughter was at school and I was awake all night. And this went on for probably a couple of months. And then I finally asked the question, why, why can't you just like show up during the day? And, and they basically told me, well, your vibration isn't where it needs to be in order for us to be able to make a good connection with you. It's easier at night when the humans that are in your neighborhood basically are sleeping. So they're out of their body. So there's less static. Mm. So the signal is more clear at night. Now, eventually, if you practice and maintain the connection, you're fine whether it's night or day. But if you find yourself, to anyone out there who might find themselves all of a sudden not sleeping at night, it could be because Somebody wants to make a connection, and the best way for them to do that is at night while everybody else in your neighborhood is sleeping. Yeah, everything's quieter. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it's such like it's such a common sense but, thing yeah. if we stop and think about it. But it's something we don't—it doesn't really occur to you because you we're we're programmed to just I, I'm supposed to sleep at night. I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be sleeping. You know. Mm -hmm. You know, something I just thought of is you know how like. The, your creative ideas come a lot of times at night when everything's peaceful and quiet and yes. most people are asleep like at midnight two in the morning <laughs> whatever three in the morning well there that's probably why because you yes. don't have like you said all the static going on yep. it's quieter it's your vibration maybe is higher um it's able to flow through flow to you, mm -hmm. through you way easier than during the day mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and meditating and connecting with your guides and connecting with, you know, um, other beings is probably way easier, I would say, at night, just in general, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, in, the, in the beginning, in particular, I would say it's easier to do it at night than trying mm -hmm. to make that connection during the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of like what kind of stuff do you do daily that to keep you, I mean, this has been a long journey for you, right? And you even moved locations because you were, you know, guided to do some work and whatever, for whatever reason, energetically, wherever you were guided to, and, you know, so this is a constant, you're on a mission, right? I know you are. Mm -hmm. I, you, I can see it in your soul. Like you are just here to get this work done. So what do mm -hmm. you, what does your daily life look like? If you don't mind me asking, as far as like, what are you, what are you doing every day to assist right now with the collective and the shifting, the shifting times? I'm doing things like this because, frankly, I wasn't even on the internet at all until just prior to COVID. I did everything in person. I was flying under the radar. I was keeping a low profile because I didn't want to do it any other way. But it's gotten to the point where, you know, bodies wear out. I've learned a lot. Eventually, this body isn't going to be here. I need to leave behind what I've learned so that it may be of value to somebody else. So I have put in my request, one, maybe two more moves, and then can I just like be somewhere? Can I just 
be somewhere and not have to pack everything up. It gets harder as the years go by. So we'll see how that works out for me. But every day I wake up and ask, how may I be of service? How can I be of service? Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes the answer is just be silent or create a painting or write something. Sometimes it's be present for someone. Or sending yeah. me an email being like, hey, I got nudged. Is everything exactly. okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I only do that when I'm guided to. You know, yeah. I don't... If someone keeps popping in my head, uh, that means I need to reach out. If I have a way to connect with them, I, that means I need to do that. So I do. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's important because a lot of people right now, I think it just helps to hear what other people do mm -hmm. because it, for one, it gives people ideas and, you know, how, because we're, we're constantly always distracted by everything and we're not always sure that we're doing the right thing. So I think it's beautiful to hear other people's perspectives and what they do. Well, uh, let's get clear. No thing is the wrong thing. Yeah. There's always, everything is, whatever you're drawn to do right now, there's, if you're following the borrowing the title of the book, The Signals from Your Soul, if you're responding to those signals, you're going to move in whatever direction you feel like you need to, and you're going to learn something from that. You're either going to learn how that signal does feel when it's actually coming from your soul, or, oh, maybe that wasn't my soul signal. So there's no wrong. There's no right or wrong. Let's Let's... Use your life as a laboratory. That's what I did. When all of this happened for me, and I sold my house and my law practice and packed up my stuff and started my wandering phase of my life, um, I was, I was, I put all my chips in. I'm all in. I'm either going crazy or this is for real. And the last place I ever thought I would have ended up is in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Not my chosen destination, but I was told I needed to come here because there were people here. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. that's why you I'm know, here. Todd and I, I grew up there. Yeah, we're, uh, we're still here, and, and yeah, you know, suburb. it's really, it's really interesting. I love that you say use your life as a laboratory. Like you're constantly, mm -hmm. it's like a research project. Exactly. And, like constantly asking questions and why am I feeling this way? And I mean, that's how we we're, we become self-aware and how we actually can navigate through these times in a healthy manner, in my opinion. Well, and if you look at it from the standpoint of, let me gather these data points. So I get a hit, I'm going to write it down in my book, and then I'm going to see how it plays out. And eventually I'm going to understand how it feels in my body to receive clear guidance or a clear signal. So I'm, there's no right or wrong. There's observation. And recording. So treat it like it's an experiment and not you're not focused on being right. The thing here is to try and break people out of the mold of thinking whatever their response is, it's either wrong or right. No, there's learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah. agree. The right or wrong thing is, is very programmed. Well, it hamstrings a lot of people who would like to do more spiritual stuff, but they're not sure, they're not certain. So if you approach it with curiosity and a 
you know, the innocence of a child or however you want to look at it, then that takes a lot of that charge off of there. Mm -hmm. And and just the trust that you're going to be mm -hmm. guided in the right direction and you know, take as much fear out of it as possible. Uh, you know, I think obviously the fear mm -hmm. is what keeps us from, you know, and there's, you know, understandably there's things to be, it's scary sometimes making that leap and, and making that move and do that big decision. But, you know, sometimes they say the scariest things are the, the right thing too. So, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a whole interesting thing, fear and being scared and all that stuff. So. Well, you know, as well as I do, fear squeezes down your vibration and lowers your receptivity. Yeah. So the last place you want to be is in a place of fear. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's going to lead to, exactly, and you're not going to have the results you're looking for. So. And now you know why the, the powers that were, as I like to say now, are doing do everything they can to keep the population in fear constantly well, because that's exactly. what you just said and now that now you can be controlled and manipulated like that and you're completely cut off from your from anything higher your higher self from spirit um you're locked in the lower three chakras you're unhealed mm -hmm. you're, um when you're in fear you'll just do anything you're told because you're afraid because you think you have to you know you think right. that's going to save you and well that's and survival you, you survival survive, right? level thinking you're, so, you're yeah. stuck in survival mm -hmm. right you're stuck in survival yeah. you're not really living you're just surviving and right? and you miss out on opportunities that are trying to present themselves to you you know right. and and so because you're so blinded you have blinders on and then there's always opportunities if you're if you're looking mm -hmm. and i think pay, just paying attention and being open to that like sometimes you might go somewhere you don't even know why you're led there mm -hmm. but you know an opportunity is going to present itself but it's only going to present itself if you're paying attention and looking for that it could present itself but you just you know drive right past it otherwise is that kind of like when you go, like when you were guided to Shasta, is that kind of like how you understand it? Like you just, you just, you're led and you trust that, you know, it'll show up for you? I always only ever ask two questions. What do I need to do next? And what do I need to know? So if I get a sense that what I need to do next is I'm in the middle of vacuuming my floor and I feel like, oh, I'm going to go to the grocery store later, but I need to go now. I'm going to quit vacuuming the floor. I'm going to put on my clothes. I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to go because there's a timing element to what I need to do next. Okay. So it's putting aside the ego that thinks it has everything organized and you can learn to dance with your ego in a way that it will work, but it's going to be resistant in the very beginning. So just understand that. So what do I need to do next? Because here's what I know. If I can follow to the best of my ability, what I feel I need to do next, I'm going to be where I need to be when I need to be there. And if I'm to have understanding as to why I was put there, most of the time the understanding comes after. I didn't know why I had to go to Mount Shasta until the morning of September 11th. I didn't know why I needed to be there until then. And then it, uh, it really overwhelmed me with the magnitude of what I was being asked to do. But if they'd have told me you got to be in a certain location at a certain time because of something important to do, my human mind would have made a mess out of it. 
So I right. just ask, what do I need to do next? Because then all I got to worry about is my part in that moment. That's actually so key. I'm glad you said that. So mm -hmm. had you understood why you were supposed to go to Manchester, you could have foiled the plan, essentially. Exactly. Your ego would have messed it up. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's a, that's really important. That's a great notice because, I you know, I think that for one, it's beautiful just to show how important it is to let go and trust that. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you know, we do what humans do and overthink the situation and we overthink mm -hmm. we overthink ourselves out of making the right decision mm -hmm. a lot of times or well the ego also thinks it always knows the right thing but and it has all its judgments exactly. and biases and it, it's like well no i'm not doing that that's that's gonna you know what's that gonna do or, mm -hmm. or no I, I need to do this because of this this and this but the ego is like the ego was like Dolores Cannon called Mr. Stupid. <laughs> it's like it thinks it knows everything, but it really knows nothing. Uh, so or, when you're or we want to know why. Right. Or we want to know. Yep. We want to know why. Why, you know, mm -hmm. and you're not going to know until, like you said, until you you just follow that guidance and then you'll know it'll be abundantly clear. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a reason why you it doesn't let you know, because it, it'll mess things exactly. up. If you know all the answers beforehand. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you knew Dolores Cannon personally, didn't you, Julia? Oh, yeah. I, I was one of the first vendors at her first conference she ever put on. It was in the lobby of a hotel. <laughs> yeah. There were seven or eight vendors. Some of them came from the West Coast. Some of them came from Colorado. We all felt like we needed to be there. And it was interesting, the connections that were made between the vendors at that conference. So, yeah. I, I took QHHT from her one and two, and um, the conferences turned into these really big mm -hmm. mega events. But the is first that the one same was, one that same one that goes on to this day in Arkansas, the Ozark Mountain? Yeah, but it's now with it. They yeah, it's combined with the UFO yeah. thing. Yeah, oh, okay. exactly. Combined. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Very so nice. We're going to take this conversation to the next level, get a little deeper here. And I'm going to read something directly from your book, and then we're going to talk about it, if you don't mind. Um, okay. You said, each human has 12 strands of spiritual potential or aspects of the soul capable of being anchored into a single human body at any given time. We live in the time of the 12th disciple, according to my understanding of what spirit showed me. Each one of us has the potential to achieve our fully Christed level of awareness in a human form in this lifetime. And I think that's profound. And I think that that deserves further exploration because uh, just the 12 strands of spiritual potential is very interesting. And, and can you explain how you came to that understanding? Well, as above, so below. We have 12 major meridians, right? Located at our crown chakra, right? There's 12 of them. What I was shown is each one of those strands anchors in an aspect of our consciousness. This octave of existence has 12 dimensions, 12 tones and a complete octave. As you know, as a musician, there's not seven, there's actually 12. And the other five came the potential for anchoring the other five strands, in my opinion, started coming onto the planet in 1990. So 90 to 92, I saw a certain frequency. It was magenta, actually. And then, so 92 to 94, 94. So by the year 2000, the potential for 
full realization of our awareness through our physical instrument was a potential for humanity. Um, I am aware of some of the strands that I've anchored in, like I told the story of the the blue-skinned man is one of the aspects of my um, being that's now anchored through this vehicle and can express into this world. So does this mean that all of a sudden I'm an enlightened holy being? No, but I am more aware and able, I'm more aware of those other aspects of my being, no matter where they are, like the, you know, the fleet commander who's in the big planet-sized starship with thousands of ships behind him. You know, I'm aware of that one. I'm aware of the Krishna being. I'm aware of a female that's very tall and has black feathers on a cape, except there is a cobalt blue band of feathers at the bottom that's also worn worn on the headdress and these have all come to me through experiences of what do i need to do next when i was ready for those those awarenesses came to me none of them have been through past life regression they've all just happened spontaneously and if we okay i was raised catholic so one of the first things I was told when Spirit woke me up was I was to look at Jesus and the 12 disciples as a three-dimensional model for my own Christ, Christ consciousness. And so as Jesus walked out into the world, he started gathering representatives of what I believe to be his higher consciousness, correct, until he had 12. So there's 12 disciples around him He's in the center. He's the Christed aspect. So we, that template was established on the planet by him and that group of beings. Now is the time to take it from the individual level to the collective level. So that's what I mean when I say we live in the time of the Twelfth Disciple is it, we now each have the equal potential to ground all 12 of our aspects in. I do sometimes, I've done it individually and I do it with small groups sometimes, uh, what I call 12-strand activation, like meditations, but it's a, it's a process that mm -hmm. takes place over time. So most people have noticed at the very least they have an increase in their skills. I don't like to call them gifts because we're all wired the same. But yeah. And so basically it like you said, that helps people understand their or gives them the potential to achieve our fully Christed level of awareness. Yes. So we all have that within us. Mm -hmm. We're and, all but, wired the same. But it's not and it's something that you think can be achieved in this lifetime right here, right now. Yes. I believe that we are living during a special time on this planet in this universe where the conditions are going to be right for everyone to be able to grab that brass ring if they want to. Mm, well said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, it's like a window. It's like a window of opportunity. It, it exactly is. Yeah. That maybe you can get not. off the wheel of karma if you want to in this lifetime. Right. Well, tell us more about that. <laughs>
<laughs> well, when you, that's the goal of being here is achieving that level of awareness while in physical form. So, yeah. So when I'm done here, I don't have to come back. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So getting off the wheel of karma. So <clears throat> I guess you would perceive that as something that you don't always have to experience karma in every incarnation. Karma to me is those are the lessons we still have to learn. You know, those are the experiences we still haven't had. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it's necessarily a, I did this, so now, no, to me, it's more about what does my soul still need to learn? Right. It's not like Through a reward, reward exactly. and punishment, like a lot of people yeah. seem no. to think. It's not what karma is. It's right. It's mm -mm. what you said. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to put it. What does my soul still have to learn? Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately we could arguably say that the only reason we're in this physical vessel is for the soul's evolution. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Well, so are you guided to share anything else with us right now? Is there anything that, you know, before we did the show that you've been thinking about that you've been wanting to get out to a larger audience? Is there anything like that coming up for you? I basically would say to anyone out there, you can trust your own inner guidance system. Everybody has, has that. Just need to turn within and maybe remodel or reframe your existence here. I mean, it's one of the reasons I, it's one of the reasons I wear Herkimer diamonds. They grow in all directions from the center out. One of the first things I was told by my teachers when they woke me up is, you carry the light within you that is the doorway through which you begin your journey home. So for those of you that can't find the perfect teacher or the perfect method or the magic bullet, whatever it is, know that you already have everything you need inside of you and trust that it'll be opened and awakened for you when your frequency gets to the point where it automatically opens that door it's an mm. organic process beautiful well said beautiful yes yeah I mean, and it's so interesting to me you keep saying one of the first things i learned one of the first things i learned meaning this would this is all like like i said this profound information that some people are just going to be hearing for the first time and you're like this is 30 year old news to me <laughs> yes <Yeah>. and <laughs> that's exactly well, right it is this information's been around for a long time but it's like i feel like now and, and with the help of the internet now which which I was just thinking earlier, 9-11 happened right around the time when the internet was really starting to take mm -hmm. off. And you mm -hmm. just said that was a mass first time, like the collective consciousness kind of yep. thing. Well, the internet is kind of like that too, where it's like we're forming this collective consciousness because we're all connected. Exactly. Yep. And now all this information is starting to become much more widespread and mm -hmm. much more accessible through because of the internet, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's a tool, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to use it against us, but but it's actually being uh, used for humanity, you know. Right. And well, um, it's a matter like, of your free will of what you're gonna how you're gonna tap into it, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like I, I like to say the truth, whatever that means. The truth is energy, 
and mm-hmm. there's an it's an energy flow everything has to flow and like the, any obstruction like the internet or anything they try to do to weaponize this information and, and stop the truth it might be it's just an obstruction that's all it is and life finds a way that information mm-hmm. or whatever it is is going to find its way through any little crack you know like a plant growing through the concrete mm-hmm. that's what the truth is yeah. doing right now Yep. And then information, it doesn't matter. Like, it's a big game of whack-a-mole. They're trying to knock us out everywhere we go. We're going to delete this YouTube channel, you know, suspend this person, whatever. But it's we we pop up somewhere else, and they're not going to stop us. And it's like this mm-hmm. it's like this weed, where, you know, almost like a weed which you just can't kill. Right. I heard, I heard someone say, they said, you can't kill consciousness. <laughs> so no exactly. matter what. Right. So, like, they can kill off people. They can will delete channels and do all the censorship and propaganda and all the stuff we're seeing, but you can't kill consciousness. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like you said, it's like you're playing whack-a-mole. They're playing whack-a-mole and it's just going to keep, and it's going to also have the backfire effect, which we're also seeing the more they, the harder they push, the more people wake up and the more it backfires on them and the more, um, the more our consciousness grows and and the more we mm-hmm. take our power back. And then it's just, speeding up the awakening in my opinion the more that the dark tries to right. squash it or derail or you know yeah so we should be off. grateful thank you for pushing. Exactly. thank you thank yeah. you and the more mm-hmm. it's showing us to take our power back you know it's like it's like the dark is teaching you lessons it's like you see it as that rather than seeing it as you're a victim to it well you have the power no it's like it's teaching you to take your power back and it's teaching you things and it's actually helping you so it's like a blessing in the sky. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. well, I always say when when I find myself in a challenging situation or something that's not going the way I think, the first thing I do is ask, what's the lesson? Because mm-hmm. exactly. if I can get the lesson, then I don't have to have the experience. Right. You don't have to yeah. keep having the experience. That's right. That, right. Exactly. And that's like karma. Like you said, that's what right. karma is. <laughs> like you're going to keep having shit. those same experiences yeah. till mm-hmm. you get it. till you yeah. get the exactly. lesson it's trying to teach you. And then you don't, you right. have to... Like, do, do I really have to learn this one the hard way? Can we just <laughs> right? Um, no, you can ask for ease and grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's important to know because some people think that like they play the victim to like like we said earlier, they play the victim to their own situation sometimes and their lessons and and you know some people say like oh everyone has demons and blah, blah blah like they they attach themselves like oh that's just my inner demon that came out like it stuck with them forever. It's like no, like there's there's right. You have to change your perspective here. You can mm-hmm. you can get right on out of that, but your your own thoughts and beliefs are your ball and chain. You're holding you back, you know. Exactly. Uh, so I have to ask you. You briefly mentioned it. You said you briefly mentioned being a commander of a Starfleet on a massive planet-sized mothership with thousands of ships behind it. Can you expand on that at all? And have you had current experiences with this version of yourself? Um. The current versions, the current experiences, there were times when they, in the very beginning, 1989, 1990, where I made regular visits up through the floor of what I know to be a large ship. Always there were two people waiting for me, Jesus and Ashtar. And we would, they would escort me down this long circular hallway, uh, little over a quarter way around the vessel and we'd go into this small room where there were all these screens and I would give them an update on actually what was really going on on the planet. So I know I did regular briefings. I probably still do, but I don't have the conscious memory of it. But I am always aware of that part of myself 
because that's the aspect of me that I believe came here from somewhere else on some level and brought a cargo of, I would say, would be souls and keys and codes and that kind of stuff for deployment here. Mm. And, yeah. and you have a background in the military as well. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's some sort of connection there. And, you know, probably maybe because you... I, I went in the Air Force. So flight again. Right. Yeah. It was like part of your soul mm-hmm. connecting to that part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you, so you had to have the physical experience of yep. being in the military and doing debriefs and whatever it is. Yeah. I think there's definitely a tie there. Mm hmm. I would agree, because it's kind of like an echo, a really step-down version of that. Yeah, that's a very good insight I just had. So we would have those experiences in order to set up a resonating field that would actually open the connection to that part of our being. Mm, so yeah. th- thanks for that insight. That, so you, that's a good you go one. So you have the physical experience to set up the connection and like like an anchor yes, point. Exactly. And then you don't have to be as above, so below. Right. And then you don't have to stay in the military. You, you I didn't. That, that connection was made. That's right. Now you can go. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, while you were in the military, like that had to be interesting being in such a, a demanding, strict environment and then breaking free into doing what you're doing now. What a contrast. And I'm sure that was all part of the experience as well. Well, it's it's one of the most hierarchical, it's very, very, you know, you the pecking order is clearly established and you know, there's no coloring outside the lines. So it wasn't too far a stretch from what I was raised in though, because my father was in the military. So we had that regimen in the house. So mm. It's kind of where I ended up. Yeah. Yeah. Comfort, I mean, I think, it's a comfort zone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all good experiences to have, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's all just tools under your belt now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, can you let our audience know how they can listen to your podcast, which is called Evolving Humans Podcast, a gathering place for awakening souls, which I've been on a few early episodes and mm-hmm. let it, let them know where they can find your book and just the whole spiel. Well, eventually when I can figure out how to turn audio into video, some of your episodes will be on YouTube again, <laughs> rebranded. But yeah, um, the website is obviously juliamarie.us. And the podcast is over 100 episodes. Now I was told five years ago to start a podcast. It took me a few years to get going. But I now realize it's kind of like a legacy. I can leave behind people that are downloading that. They're going to have that information for themselves when I'm not here anymore. My goal is always to provide hopefully helpful insight into how you can live a more multidimensional life the way you're wired to. Um not a lot of controversy, but some deep dives with people as far as philosophy and all of that kind of stuff goes. Now, as far as the book goes, I want to offer your listeners just for this particular episode, 
anybody who between now and February 1st who sends me a copy of a receipt, and they can buy the Kindle or they can buy the print book. They send me a copy of their receipt, they'll be entered into a drawing to receive a free reading. And for every hundred people that submit receipts, I will do one free reading. So you have a one in a hundred chance of getting a free reading. And I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty good at what I do. She is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I teach classes. Classes are coming back. So in the spring here, anybody who's interested in learning how to work with their wiring, happy to help guide them. Yeah. So all of that is all under your website, Julia JuliaMarie.us. Yep. But the podcast is it's can be found on Apple Podcast and, and other They places. can find it on Apple and Spotify. It's it's the Bud Buzzsprout is my I mean I can shoot you the link where they can click directly on it to get them if you want me to and you can put it in the show notes. Yeah, we yeah, I'll just put your website there and, okay. and it can all be funneled through that. And the book is the book the book is on Amazon. Yes. So but yep. it's also available on your website too. It just sends you the uh, no, just a Nope. The right now it's only on, it's only on Amazon, but all they got to do is type in signals to my, and usually the whole title comes up right away. So it's popular right now. So it's easy to find. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. if you guys read the book the best thing we can do to help any authors right now who are self-publishing is to leave a review. The reviews oh, help. The, the yeah. reviews help tremendously. And obviously, we're not telling you to leave a review if you feel called to. And just putting that reminder out there that that really does help. And I, we've interviewed enough authors now to for me to mm -hmm. really understand what that, how that impacts the sale of the book. And, yes. And just having like buying books, if you've never read a book, like reading the reviews on a book is one of the... Uh, what are the first things people do? Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's just like, you know, going to a restaurant or whatever. It's actually more utilized than you realize. So um, if you can leave a good review for her, then I recommend doing that. And, you know, thank you so much again for joining us today, Julia. This has been fantastic as I expected. And are there any final words that you would like to leave us with? Or just I a would moment say of silence? I would say we're all in this together. We don't have to have it all figured out. We just need to do whatever comes next. And eventually we'll find our, our collective way home. Boom. So that's what I would yeah. say. Yeah. They, exactly. Said. exactly. Exactly. Thank you for that. Thank you for the wise words. Wisdom that cannot be taught. You have to have a lifetime of experience exactly. to, to understand some of these concepts. So. Again, we appreciate everything that you're doing. Congratulations on the book. You know, good luck yeah. getting the podcast on YouTube. You know, I know that can be a difficult thing to, mm -hmm. to figure out sometimes. So good luck with everything. And all of you guys listening to this, we encourage you to go check out our website, the podcast, the book, and please leave a review and, you know, every little comment helps. So thanks again. And we love you all. We can't do this without you. And we hope to see you at the conference. Again, rebelsofdisclosure.com. All the information is below. And is there something you would like to say, Aaron? Oh, and Julie Marie will be at our conference as a vendor. So you'll get to <laughs> hang out with her. And you. not just a vendor, but you'll be doing sessions. Doing sessions. Yes. Well. Yeah. 
yeah. So, and uh, there's there's been some really great testimonies that came from last year's event. Uh, you really helped some people, and we're excited to have you back. So, we're looking forward to that. And thanks if for you having guys, me. What's that? I said thanks to both of you for having me. Oh, of course. Yeah, we're, absolutely. We're excited. It's right around the corner. So. And if you guys haven't followed us on Patreon yet, that link is below as well. It's only $5 a month, $55 a year. And we're putting tons of content on there. And, you know, our webinars are exclusive to Patreon subscribers first, and then they'll eventually be released publicly. But uh, if you're interested in that, please go check that out. We appreciate all of your love and support. We can't do this without you. You know, we had to kind of go back to ground zero and start over again with YouTube knocked us down. So but it's only making us stronger and I feel like we're just going to get bigger and better. And, and it's like really time to get to work and we're excited to be part of this whole transitional phase. So thank you all. We can't do without you. And until next time, good night. Another turning point of fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life So take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life Something unpredictable, but in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right I hope you had the time Actually, I was quoting Sherry that's the, that's the last time Brad will ever quote me. <laughs>guys we hope you can join us this year at the rebels of disclosure conference in grafton illinois at the pier marquette lodge and conference center may 13th through the 16th as you can see we have tons of fun we've made some great memories and we just wanted to take this opportunity to extend the invite to all of you who've never been it's so much fun and it's so important to connect with soul family and we just really look forward to seeing everyone out there
Yeah, I hope to see you all there. It's a blast. Um, it's really something that you have to experience to uh, to know how amazing it is. And it's so much more than just the speakers. Um, it's just, it's an amazing time and it's amazing uh, to connect with Soul Family. So we hope to see you all there. And all that information is below at rebelsofdisclosure.com. So grab a ticket and join us. We hope to see you there.